welcome back to the Enchanted Forest, where we are doing something a little different today. Normally, Fox or myself would take a fairy tale, folklore, or myth from once upon a time ago and give context, history, and our personal thoughts on it. So Fox was a little confused this week when I simply wrote Star Wars in the schedule. I am not the biggest Star Wars person, so I was like, okay, this is fine. I'll just have to look it up as if I was looking up a fairy tale. <laughs> not even just, oh, I'll just watch the movie and then have thoughts. It's like, no, no, we'll we'll do the historical research along with it. No, I was going to look up the Wikipedia page for the, like, I've seen the movies and they are long. And I don't, I like, I'm just not confident in my Star Wars information. So I was just going to look up the Wikipedia page, maybe watch a recap video somewhere on YouTube, but I did not want to commit to that time pressure again. It's funny that you say it's long. I mean, you're not wrong, but... I know George Lucas had originally written his original trilogy and the prequel trilogy with the intent that like they were still short enough that they could still be enjoyed in a one day viewing, uh, especially the original one. He was like, it was meant to be like an afternoon viewing. Essentially, you could watch just the three movies. And then eventually he's like, well, you could watch it one day, the original, the prequel. Um, but yeah, no, there is a lot of content around Star Wars and uh <laughs> It's easy to fall down that rabbit hole of like, well, I need to also see this show to understand context for this moment or read this book to understand what was going on in that era. So I get it. It's almost like the original issue with Marvel was that there's just so many of them. So you have to keep in mind like, okay, what is the order of these movies? How many do I have to watch? Do I have to watch them to understand the new ones? Thankfully with Marvel, I did genuinely enjoy the first couple ones and I did seek them out to watch them so I had the background and then after that you just build on it but Star Wars is one of those ones where I know you showed me the the first six movies so the original trilogy and then the prequels yes that is what I showed you so we saw those ones then afterwards I just kept seeing new movies coming out so I was like um I'm gonna take a step back because I can't do Marvel and Star Wars and the 500 tv shows I have to watch Yes, it, it's a lot. But going back to what we were originally talking about, I do believe at its core that this diverse multi-million dollar franchise featuring laser swords, space wizards, and gunslingers is actually a fairy tale in disguise. But Sparrow, I hear you say, Star Wars is too new to be a fairy tale, and it's a sci-fi. And while I get this gut reaction, it's not exactly right either. It's kind of like when people say cereal is a soup. It feels wrong, but it's kind of accurate. I'm I'm willing to listen to this argument. I like I'm kind of picky and as someone who did do an English literature degree, I'm like, but in my class we did this. <laughs> so I'm not saying, you know, that modern stories can't be fairy tales or folklore, but I am generally a little bit more hesitant to label things as such. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to listen to this argument as someone who knows just enough about Star Wars. All right. Just to give you guys some background where I'm coming from from Star Wars. I do not have a Star Wars degree, unfortunately. Um, <sighs> but I did grow up with Star Wars. I, like a lot of kids, remember watching the first movie that was available to me in theaters. In my case, it was the prequels. And I remember going to theaters. And yes, I was amazed and awed and stunned by the cool laser swords lightsaber battles that they had uh in particular i'll always remember the duel of fates fight with darth maul and obi-wan kenobi uh in the phantom menace yes not a good film as today (laughs) but as a kid it was epic and i was loving it and of course from there watched the original series and just fell in love with the franchise Uh, but that said i don't hold it up to the highest regard that i think a lot of fans might I recognize a lot of its faults. I don't think it's a perfect franchise, and there was a time I wouldn't have even recommended it to friends. Fox, I remember when I, this first came up as a discussion that you hadn't watched Star Wars yet when the sequel trilogy was just starting, and I was trying to tell you, yeah, this is the best time to get it. Like, there's going to be new content coming, and uh, you're going to like like it. It's like helmed by J.J. Abrams. Like, we're pretty solid with him. Like, it's going to be fine. And you were, like, not convinced. So the first movie came out, and I was like, yeah, you can still get it. Like, it's not bad. And then the episode eight came out, and I'm like, I mean, you could. This isn't the best time, maybe. And then episode nine came out, and I just said, forget it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, 
And I felt really disheartened by that franchise at that point. I've since gone back and rewatched them, and I've I like episode eight more than I initially did. I still am not, still do not care for episode nine, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, oh, that sad little sigh. <laughs> it's a disappointment. It's really hard. It's it's. There's a lot of baggage. That... This is an emotional podcast. We we just the, the sigh. I could just. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> they let you down. I, I'm not mad. I am genuinely just disappointed um, at this point. Like Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah. And it wasn't honestly until The Mandalorian came out that I had hope for the franchise again. I, I recognize that The Mandalorian came out before episode nine, but I didn't watch it till after episode nine. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until a couple months later when I had time to actually watch The Mandalorian when I started thinking, oh, maybe this could be fine. But I was hesitant. So I started then consuming more of the Star Wars content to figure out, is this something worth my time or not? And that's when I really got into the Clone Wars and then Star Wars Rebels. And that's when I got way back onto the bandwagon. Like, no, there's a lot of good stuff in the Star Wars universe, but it takes a little digging. And it's not necessarily fair for newcomers to have to do that digging. So I still stand by. The original trilogy is great. The prequels are funny if you're willing to put up with some of the crap it goes through. Mm-hmm. And there are some some interesting things about the sequels, but I would never force that on anyone. And when we did our viewing together, I genuinely told you after episode six, I was like, you can just stop now if you want. Like, you've seen enough. Like, you've got a good taste of it. You know what you're, like, signed up for. If you want more, you know it's out there. I still encourage you to go watch The Mandalorian if you could. I highly recommend Star Wars Rebels. I think it's highly underrated. And I really enjoy that one a lot. But it, again, it's, it's a time commitment to these. And you s- said it yourself. You have like a million shows you want to get to. You know what I did, though? I did ignore I did ignore your advice. And I started watching The Clone Wars. <laughs> me. I don't have time to start anything. Also, me. Starts one of the longest series. It's good. But there's a lot there. And I really think for like, especially Clone Wars, as much as it's good, you really can just treat it as an episode of the week type deal for the first while and not yeah. pay too much attention. It's like really just later seasons you need to really follow where they are week by week. Yeah, I feel like Star Wars, and like I made the connection earlier to Marvel, but there are just some universes that just expand in so many different ways. And then you have all these different TV shows and books and series and it becomes kind of hazy about what is actually lore and what isn't lore and what's considered canon, what's not canon. As someone who's not a really big film person, like I don't go into theaters to watch movies all that often. Um, I don't really, you know, choose to watch movies over dramas or over TV shows because I like the fact that TV shows have a lot more time to actually get through things. And I feel like movies are sometimes a bit too rushed for me. Mm -hmm. But when you have, I think, entire universes based on a single concept or a single idea, And it just branches off in so many different ways. It becomes very kind of intimidating to try and jump in at the midway point and still be involved. And also some of the like the fans are a little bit gatekeepy sometimes where it's like you have to be you have to know everything about the world or nothing about the world. Otherwise, you can't have an opinion. So as someone who doesn't really have all that, like I've watched the the original six movies. I liked Mm -hmm. them. But other than that, like, I'm not a Star Wars person. It's good to have someone else to ask questions and be like, so what is what is this? And not like, you know, because I feel like when people get really into their fandoms, they really get into their fandoms. So, you know, just a little bit of gentleness with new people is always kind. And unfortunately, I would say Star Wars fans might be the most toxic of... They're they're up there. They've And the, the, the sad fact is they've always been a little toxic but it's like i feel like it's only been recent years that it's really come to the surface of how how bad the community can be don't get me wrong there's some really good parts of the star wars fan community and i love the love and appreciate them but there is a lot of like geek snobbery in there of like no this has to be right especially thinking of i think i tried to explain this to you once so yeah not only do we have like all these extra books so like if you just decided you wanted to know everything about star wars you wanted to get in not only are there nine Star Wars movies for you to watch, and at this point, like, several TV shows, and I think 
either this week or next week, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show is coming out. So that's also another thing you got to get on board with. There's all these books that are out there. And that I'm just talking about what's canon. There are a whole swath of storylines and books and um, other media that are extended Star Wars lore of everything that was written and done before Disney bought the Star Wars franchise. Because once they bought the Star Wars franchise, they said only the movies and the Clone Wars matter. Everything else is not canon. And <gasps> oh, there's like a ton of extra content out there that are just considered what they call legends, meaning it's not canon anymore, but it was once canon. So like there's all these layers of trying to understand Star Wars lore. So with that said, I want to like just backpedal a little bit in terms of what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. So I said to you, Fox, that Star Wars is a fairy tale, but we've just talked about this expansive story and franchise (laughs) um, that quite honestly could never be a fairy tale because fairy tales are short and sweet and Star Wars as a franchise is not that. (laughs) It is all sprawling and expansive, but... Like, what I mean when I say Star Wars Fairytale, I'm talking about the original movie. Like, the original trilogy, yes, so that's uh, Star Wars The New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and The Return of the Jedi, respectively. I'm talking about those three. Mostly I'm talking about the first one, but, like, the scope of my argument today is around, like, those three movies, mostly about just New Hope, in terms of the original vision that george lucas had for this story of luke skywalker i mean if you can't tell at this point i am a star wars fan i enjoy a lot of the other content around star wars but when you have that many stories surrounding one thing it becomes more of a mythos mm-hmm. and that's not what we're talking about today uh we're talking about fairy no, tales this would be like a 10 hour <laughs> episode and then we would still get so much hate we would get for missing so much. something. We just would need to create a new podcast. And you know what? There are a ton of other podcasts out there that cover Star Wars much greater detail uh, than we ever could. So I'm sure you can find those. I don't know any off the top of my head. I just see them getting recommended to me. So yeah, uh, there's lots of other content out there. But today, we just want to quickly talk about why the original Star Wars is a fairy tale. So today, I'll be breaking down what Star Wars is and why it's a true modern fairy tale in under five minutes. That's right. Have you actually timed yourself before to see how long this is? Only when I had written half of this. This is going to be fun. Oh, it's like... <laughs> there is a good chance this is not going to be under five minutes, but I want to try my best. Don't worry. I got you. Okay, so are you ready? So yeah, Fox has got the stopwatch. Um... Yes, I am ready. I take my job as the coach very seriously. The coach, the timekeeper, I don't know what I am, but I'm someone who has a clock and that makes me feel like I have an important role here. Okay, okay, this is going to be good. All right. Just stretching, getting ready. Okay. I'm ready. Hit me. Okay, ready? All right. I'm going to start the clock in three, two, one. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. These are the words that open every Star Wars film. They are comforting repetition, a reminder that this tale may be old and far away, but still gives the plausibility that it could be true. It's very reminiscent of the Once Upon a Time, a simple line that started many of my favorite childhood fairy tales, and it's no coincidence that these openers sound familiar. When George Lucas was writing the script for the original Star Wars in the mid-1970s, he read the book The Hero with the Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. This ends. This ended up being profoundly influential to Lucas's approach to the story. The book analyzes many myths and old tales from around the world. Campbell noticed a pattern in all these stories and summarized his findings in his book. Today, this archetypal narrative is better known as the hero's journey. After reading this book, Lucas realized this is what he'd been trying to do all along. He'd been following... The rules of the hero's journey was trying to capture that magical feeling those stories provided. Once he realized this, Lucas leaned into the classical motifs, which brings me back to the beginning and the feeling we get from those opening words. Quote, I put this little thing on a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. An incredible adventure took place. Basically, it's a fairy tale now. George Lucas said this in December of 1975. Lucas literally said that he 
as the creator saw his own story as a fairy tale and he wanted to lean into these traditional elements from start to finish. Okay, but just because the creator says one thing doesn't exactly make it so. The truth of it lies in the execution, so let's talk about characters. When we first meet Luke Skywalker, he's a simple teenage boy wanting to see the world, but he is sadly stuck on a farm for his aunt and uncle. We can hear him early in the film whining to his uncle after he is told to clean up the new droids. But I want to go to Takashi Station to pick up new power converters. Not exactly a hero yet, but Jack Spriggins is also a fairy tale hero, so the bar here is pretty low. The point is, Luke is a simple youth who dreams of something bigger in his life. Additionally, he is always the youngest, or at least the most naive, in his group. Sound familiar? <laughs> yep, for all intents and purposes, he is the youngest child protagonist. Now that we have our hero, let's look at our princess. Princess Leia is not our traditional princess archetype. She is smart, self-reliant, makes her own decisions, and, oh wait, that actually does sound like the protagonist from East of the Sun and West of the Moon. While I dearly love Leia for her fierceness, she still fills that damsel in distress role and provides a morally good and heroic task for Luke and company to complete. Rounding off our good guys, we have Han, the one who will actually have character development, Chewie, the tag-along guy, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, the mentor-slash-positive father figure to Luke. And they have to face off against the evil Darth Vader. Every single character is very clearly defined to be a good or a bad guy. Don't get me started on Han right now. Yes, he is a smuggler, but I don't think anyone was ever seriously worried about him being legitimately evil. While it's easy to point at each of these characters, point out their tropes and archetypes, the rest of the characters are not as important from that perspective. The youthful hero saving the beautiful princess is, of course, a classic, and Star Wars checks those boxes. It's not what defines it. Fairy tales are magical stories generally geared for kids, and they've always had a happily ever after. Star Wars was always made for families, and that's from, you can see that from the very beginning. They were specifically geared towards kids. The world is just a reskin of a generic high fantasy sword and sorcery tale, becoming a space and sci-fi epic. In conclusion, Star Wars was created with the motifs of a fairy tale in mind. The original characters draw on traditional archetypes for their characters, particularly the main hero. Lastly, the story just oozes that child-friendly story of magic and adventure, even if it's slightly tweaked to fit a sci-fi fiction rather than a traditional high fantasy setting. Um, and Lucas said it was a fairy tale, so there. Oh, that's four minutes and 24 seconds. Yes! So you had... You, had, you still had time. You had 75 seconds to go. Um, yeah, so Lucas said it was a fairy tale. It looks like a fairy tale. We have the swashbuckler who's essentially a sea captain, so that's just a reskin <laughs> right there. Um, you could argue that Darth Vader is actually the wicked stepmother in this scenario because he's like the evil version of his father, so there's that. Um, I'm running out here. That's all I had prepared. Keep going. Uh, it's okay. Uh, we, we, you, you, you can stop if you'd like. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's, that's what I got. I thought I was running out, and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Okay. Woo! That was an admirable effort with your... Uh, I was worried about your voice at one point when you were doing the last little bit there. The panic was rising. <laughs> it was. I do have some questions, though. Okay, then. Hit me. So, at its core, you are saying that Star Wars is a story about a prince in disguise, a captured princess, a big bad evil ruler, and a quest to save the galaxy. And all of that, I admit sounds very much like a fairy tale. However, one of the main arguments against Star Wars and many other modern stories being classed as fairy tales or as folk tales, as myths, as legends, is that one of the classifications of these types of stories is that historically they've been oral tales. Do you think Star Wars the movie falls in this category? So I'm asking you generally because it's not passed down orally, but through, you know, televisions and through TV shows, through movies, because the medium is different, does that still make it a fairy tale? So, I think it does. If we talk about folklore and myths being passed down orally, that makes a lot of sense to me. But fairy tales are a bit different. If we think of Hans Christian Andersen, he just made up and wrote fairy tales. And we accept that The Little Mermaid is a fairy tale. We accept The Ugly Duckling, The Emperor's New Clothes. All those stories I think we generally accept as fairy tales today. And he just wrote them and made them up. 
I think fairy tales are a little different in that regard in that they often draw on similar stories that the creators have like heard and grew up with or inspired by. But fairy tales are a bit different in that they can just be written down and we actually can have the originals. Uh, Charles Perrault, he also just wrote Cinderella. He wrote Donkey Skin. And obviously he was drawing on traditional stories as well because Cinderella, we've established through Beauty and Pockface that it's very old. And like every culture came up with their own variation on that rags to riches tale. So it's not like uncommon to hear that. If we look what Lucas is doing with Star Wars, as I mentioned, he is just putting a new lens on a sordid sorcery tale. It's really, yeah, a prince saves the princess and saves the kingdom. Especially if we look at that original movie, like that's all it is. Defeats the evil guy, saves the princess, and boom, happily ever after, like he's a hero, right? Obviously, we know more, like it goes on to have more adventures (laughs) and everything, but that's not what we're talking about today. So do you think because it's a movie and it's, you know, based in science fiction, so you have kind of this advanced technology, and obviously at the time, the special effects weren't that great, but do you think because of all of that combined that people just don't take Star Wars seriously as a story? Do you take Cinderella seriously? So I do... I like, do what take, do you... I want to know what you mean by take seriously. <laughs> so, so when I say seriously, I mean, I feel like a lot of people discount Star Wars as just a geek thing or, a you know, it, they don't think of it as something that's based in actual storytelling. They just think it's mostly about the cool idea of the universe, the idea of having a science fiction universe, of having, you know, lightsabers and having Jedi. And so I think people sometimes discount the actual storytelling that happens in these movies and focus on the actual, I guess, the elements of the universe that are put together. The one thing I would come back to, and this is maybe a personal experience, but I don't think I'm the only one with this personal experience. So I remember first watching Star Wars at the theater, and that was my like original introduction to it. I think I was going with a group of friends or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, and saw it. I'm like, wow, this is cool. And I came home and I told my dad, I'm like, Dad, I saw this awesome movie. Like, there was these swords that called lightsabers, and then they were using like magic to like lift up like rocks and throw at people or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's Star Wars. Like, I know Star Wars. I'm like, you know Star Wars? It just came out. so cool. And then my dad proceeded to tell me about his experience with Star Wars. Like, the first time he went to see the movie in 1977, like, when he and his friends went. And he talked about what he remembers of that movie. Because at the time, I didn't have, like, a copy of that movie with me. I would have had to go to Blockbuster. So I was just living through my dad's memory of it. So in that way... It was an oral telling my first experience to the original Star Wars thing. And I think that even though, like, there is these sci-fi elements to it, like, it still has that impact where my dad remembered it and he wanted to share that experience with me and he was just relaying it. So coming back to thinking of, well, yeah, it's a primary genre of science fiction and I would say... (laughs) One, that's not accurate. It's more of a space opera. It's the science fiction is uh, like we can get to the nitty gritty of what a science fiction definition is. But Mm -hmm. the long story short of it is I don't think it being science fiction or a space opera is mutually exclusive from it being a fairy tale. Science fiction and space opera is a flavor. And I think we're being really um, we're being a bit narrow minded thinking that fairy tales can only happen in a very specific setting. That is traditionally what we've seen it as, but I think fairy tale and the idea of magic and the everyday and just these simple stories can happen in a lot more settings than just what we traditionally think of high fantasy worlds. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, it, no, it does. It does. Because I, I feel like a lot of people have an idea of what a fairy tale is. And it is, as you said, a bit narrow minded. So when we see things that kind of go against that, we go, nope, that's not um, yeah. a fairy tale. And I will say just off topic a little bit, but space operas, because I, I did look it up because when I was doing a little bit of research to see, you know, oh. how what are other people saying about Star Wars and what yeah. genre it falls into? There are some 
you know, technicalities and terms. Is it fantasy? Is it sci-fi? Is it hard sci-fi? Is it's, it space opera? Yeah. And honestly, space opera, just the idea of it sounded really funny to me. So space opera is like essentially a soap opera that's happening in space. George Lucas wrote the original story with the idea that was about family drama. And that is what it is. It's the the discourse between Luke Skywalker and his father, Anakin Skywalker, i.e. Darth Vader. Now, uh, the original trilogy, anyways, there's a lot of debate. I don't think Lucas knew when he wrote the original Star Wars that Darth Vader was going to be Luke's father. Um, I think that was kind of retconned in, which is a fine decision to make, and it was a good decision to make in his part, but I don't think he knew that going in. That's why he classifies it more as a space opera rather than just a pure sci-fi. It's like, yeah, it's it's a family drama, and it's a lot about that angst, but it's happening in space. <laughs> See, specifically for me, I am a fan of Battlestar Galactica, obviously, and I really liked Firefly. Not so much, you know, Star Trek and all of that other stuff, but I've always been kind of interested in seeing the world per- like shown through a different lens and seeing, you know, people worrying about humanity and worrying about how to save mm-hmm. humanity and being in space and space travel and all of those cool little technological details they put. But a big part of those storylines has always been how are people interacting with each other? How do they deal with each other? And a lot of it does come across as a mix of hard science fiction and space opera where they focus a lot on the relationships of people. And it's just kind of like a sitcom, but set in space, which is funny like I like the idea of expanding boundaries just you know instead of watching friends where you see people living life like us we see people living life in space another reason why I liked Xenon girl of the 21st century even though it was so (laughs) weird is that you know she was just living in space and that was something that I feel like we've we've kind of stopped doing outside of Star Wars and outside of Star Trek maybe is there needs to be more media on people living in space people doing things in space yeah and maybe like less realistic, almost like I want to see more just like people imagining the craziest things we could do in space. At the moment, it's very like superhero themed, but I do at some point hope we go back. And maybe with the Dune movies coming out, like I hope that kind of makes it so that there's a lot more copycat-ish TV shows yeah. or whatever, where people are exploring the genre again. We go through all these phases, like there was the zombie phase, the vampire phase. Like, can we get a, just a very solid space theme going on here with uh, Hollywood just just regular space everything's in space I also want pirates by the way that's not related to the topic but I'm also really waiting for the pirate phase to happen see I was I was so big on Pirates of the Caribbean and at some point I was like I would like to see space pirates we just need to watch Treasure Planet <laughs> see Treasure Planet was fantastic I really liked yes. um, Final Space the animated series but I would like to see some like you know live action again it was really cool oh, to see the cinematic, like, you know, qualities they put into things like Battlestar Galactica. As we just said, genres can be very fluid. So you can have, you know, hard science fiction mixed with space opera. You can have fantasy with adventure, mystery, historical fiction, science fiction, dystopian. So there's lots and lots of different ways we can combine stuff. Most of these stories, though, have one predominant theme or one predominant um, genre that they follow. And while the science fiction elements in Star Wars are hard to ignore. For example, Cinder is a book that's a fairy tale retelling of Cinderella with Cinder, who's part android. There's lunar cities, there's futuristic technologies, there's all these different elements. So while it is a science fiction story, it's predominantly also a fairy tale. Do you think the primary genre of the Star Wars trilogy is science fiction, fairy tale, fantasy adventure? What do you think the primary genre of it is? Or, you know, space opera, as we just said. But what do you think it mostly caters to or follows trope-wise? That's actually a really good question. And I think the the answer is that it's going to be the Well, it doesn't have to be like, the official answer. I just wanted to hear what, like, you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to vary from person to person what it mm-hmm. is. Um, kind of thinking of Star Wars as a fairy tale, that would be... I would not call a fairy tale a genre, but for the original trilogy, I would give that classification pretty high up. To me, it's very accurate for that original trilogy, and I would just generally label the expanded universe, like anything beyond that should be just part of the 
Star Wars mythos, which at that point was more accurate. And I mean, you can even see with the the fact that they have the legends, uh, everything before Disney bought it, and then you're taking the same characters but placing them in the new canon and everything. Like that in itself is like a lot of what fairy tales and folklore and myths do. It's like you tell a story and they're like, no, wait, 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 we're gonna change it. Okay, it's actually how it works out like this. <laughs> even the original movie. Lucas has continuously gone back and changed things in the original movie that, like, he's just added CGI characters to it. He's taken out scenes. He changed if Han shot first. Like, that original movie has also been edited heavily throughout the years. So it's also going through that. That's actually a side note. But anyways, (laughs) the point is, I do think it's important to classify this as a fairy tale because if we don't classify Star Wars as a modern-day fairy tale. I really don't know what is. Like I was saying, like while it's uh, primarily consumed as a movie franchise and like there's now TV shows and books, I don't know any other stories that also get like shared between generations like this. Star Wars having this main core, like, again, I have to go back to like, how my dad talked to me about Star Wars growing up. And I know I'm not the only one. Like, I have other friends who had a similar experience of their parents showing them Star Wars and, like, just that being a shared thing between generations. That in itself is magical. And I think that is what is really becoming of a, a fairy tale of folklore and a mythology. Mostly fairy tale here. I don't think we're going to call it folklore. No. I- no, I'm not going there. But you know what I mean. But if Star Wars isn't classified as a modern day fairy tale, like I do not know what is. And I get scared that we're just not going to have any more fairy tales going forward. And Mm. I love all of our old fairy tales, but there has to be room for our society to keep growing and accepting new stories as part of our culture and history. Otherwise, we're just like downplaying anything, any other story that's been significant to our culture. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Specifically with um, classifications, I think it's important that some people do say that Star Wars isn't a modern fairy tale, it's a modern myth or legend. Due to just the complexity of the storylines and how it just goes a little bit far beyond what I think you mentioned earlier as well, is how fairy tales kind of have these simple storylines and how Star Wars is a bit more complex. So, I mean, the idea that it's a modern legend does come from many sources, But one of the sources that people tend to quote quite often is the Arthurian legends because King Arthur himself was raised by Sir Ector in some of the stories and he was only told of his parentage later when he was older. When he becomes a king and a knight of the round table, he's mentored by Merlin, who is also close to Uther Pendragon, his father. The parallels, as we all know, Luke was raised away from his birth parents and was mentored in I didn't know how to say it because I forgot. It's like the forest, the space magic by Obi-Wan. <laughs> what? Wait, um, what? I forgot the word. So I, in my notes, I wrote space magic and it just came to me. That's called the force. Yeah. Um, the force. <laughs> Mentored in the force by Obi-Wan, um, a friend of his father, Anakin Skywalker. So we have these kind of parallels between those legends. We also have Greek heroes from the heroic age who were a bit unaware of their parentage before they come of age. And then a lot of them are mentored by third parties, like the centaur Chiron. Do you think the actual classification of this story as a modern myth and legend or a modern fairy tale actually matters? Or does it just matter that we are classifying it in terms of its predecessors? Whether that's fairy tales or myths or legends, do you think the actual classification matters? No, and you know what? I would even say the classifying the original Star Wars movies as a fairy tale, I think, is almost more of a stepping stone mm-hmm. for it to becoming its own a myth or legend, however, modern myth or modern legend, as it were. Because a fairy tale is, as we talked about, shorter, simpler story. For all of the other frills around it at its core, I do believe. That is like just the story it's trying to tell is a simple happy ending, right? Mm-hmm. But if you build on it, if we involve the greed, this is something important. Like it's something that our culture has decided to hang on to for better or for worse. And as it grows and as we accept, continue to accept the stories around it, it then by default be- 
becomes a mythos. So mm-hmm. I think it's not necessarily wrong that if it's going to be classified as a modern myth or a modern fairy tale, just the way it's looking, I think it's starting as a fairy tale, but just expanding to so much more. Because if you take any of the Grecian myths on its own, they're ones that have happy endings, at least. <laughs> um, thinking of Psyche and Eros, I'd be like, if I was just hear that on its own, I would have called that a fairy tale. But because I know it's part of expanded worlds, and like other Greece, uh, gods are involved and everything, yeah, of course it's just part of the mythos. Like The Grecian expanded cinematic universe. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm just stunned we don't, haven't had that yet, to be quite fair. <laughs> Me too. Like a TV show, like a, in a space opera, anything. Like, I would like anything about the Greek gods that's more than just a documentary or something that's, like, very simple. I think what you're saying, like, it's just, we, the biggest part about these myths and these fairy tales and these folklores often comes down to one of the elements being it's familiar. People are familiar with the idea. So you could tell the story of Cinderella across different languages. You could read, you know, the hundreds of variants of the Cinderella story, like the one we did last week on Beauty and Puckface. And, you know, everyone knows the shoe. Everyone knows, you know, the evil stepmothers. So we have these kind of beats that seem familiar to us. And with the King Arthur story, just, you know, talking about it, how he's raised away from his family, he becomes king, you know, he joins the Knights of the Round Table, he's mentored by Merlin. Mm-hmm. People can just put together the connections themselves. They can say, oh, okay, so this is like Luke, this is how it connects to him, this is how it connects to Obi-Wan. So I think the big part is that do these beats sound familiar to us? And with Star Wars, a lot of the storyline plots, they do sound familiar to us because they are mm-hmm. rooted in so many other stories and so many other legends and at the core of it, it's a variant of a different type of story. And as we keep progressing in society, I think oral storytelling itself is something that isn't going to be as popular. Like We tell stories through books. We tell stories through other mediums now. We tell them through movies, through films, through TV shows, through songs. And it's no longer just a case of, you know, sitting around and telling stories to each other anymore, sadly. But... We can't just discredit these new stories because they're a medium we're accustomed to. There is, you know, a bit of snobbery when it's like, oh, this story is from the past, but it doesn't make any better. I mean, Christian Anderson wasn't that long ago. It wasn't, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago where he was writing them. The Lin Lan fairy tales from China weren't that long ago. Like, there is merit to stories that are being told now. And if we discount them all, I feel like we're going to stop producing fairy tales we're going to stop trying to produce things ourselves and create variants ourselves and just focus on retelling things and that's not what star wars is i don't think star wars is a direct retelling of another story i think it's a combination of stuff and i think that's what where the important part is is we're combining things we're creating these kind of like franken stories yeah and then eventually you get one franken story and someone goes oh that's an original idea what (laughs) And the person's like, yes, it's original. It's not just a different combination of the same stuff. (laughs) Yeah, like I mean, as someone who does read, like the fact we have a podcast where you look at the sources of stuff, I love looking at the sources of where stories come from. Like I like looking at the history. I like to see if there is a real person. I like to see, you know, what is the oldest version of this story? But I think I do that because I want to know more about the story that's being told. I don't do it to discount the story that I'm reading at the moment. In the, you know, book world, there's a boom of fairy tale retellings. And a lot of people have been going on about how they're just, you know, the same stories told over and over again, how it's not creative. And I think there's there's something to stories being retold. I think there's something to stories being retold maybe through a different culture, maybe through a different lens, maybe in a different universe. There's no such thing as an original story anymore. I'm sorry. Every story comes from a different story. It comes from a different source. It, you know, we're always putting things together. So if you're looking for something completely original, you're not going to find it. So I feel like that lens of, well, Star Wars is just another story or, you know, these retellings are just retellings are not original. It can be refreshing and original in the sense that no one's ever done it this way before. I feel like that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Like, your daddy isn't Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned at the beginning, there was something really comforting 
uh, about the opening line of Star Wars, and I still mm-hmm. feel that every time, even in those new movies when I was like very afraid of like, oh, what's gonna happen this time? It's like it was there's something comforting to see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, all that to say, I think, um, I don't think repetition's bad, and people saying, oh, they're not original, like, there's to an extent, I understand, but, yeah, it's, it's not like we're gonna get whole original new ideas, every new book and stuff, I don't think that's always a bad thing, I think there's a lot of merit in repetition. Um, but going back to what you were mentioning earlier about oral storytelling, um, I was trying to think, like, I felt like I had listened to an oral story recently and really enjoyed it. And I was trying to figure out what it was, what story it was. I was like, oh, yeah, I was watching Critical Role. I was watching people play D&D, and that was essentially oral storytelling. It was just there oh was a God. little more interaction to it. So if you want... I, I love D&D. <laughs> I love D&D, too. So... If you want to know where oral storytelling is these days, like, I'm sure there's people doing it, and oh my gosh, kudos to them. I do enjoy whenever I come across someone doing a really good oral story. Um, but watch, like, Critical Role or any other Dungeons & Dragons uh, session happening, and, the, like, those dungeon masters are doing the work of oral storytelling and trying to mm-hmm. communicate what that looks like. So, yeah, wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that's a really good thing to mention. There are we can like we don't have to do things exactly the way they were done in the past. We can do things differently. Like we're trying to be original here. Let's do things differently a little bit. <laughs> Let's have people interact with our stories. So, dear travelers, it seems like we are running out of time. But before we go, we have some quick fire questions sent in by some of our dearest travelers. Number one. When do modern stories pass the threshold of being categorized as modern myths, legends, or fairy tales? I do think it takes time, quite honestly. I think uh, you can write a story as a fairy tale, but for it to be uh, something widely accepted as a fairy tale, I do believe it takes time, like enough people to kind of (laughs) just take a culture to accept it as a fairy tale, to be quite honest. But you could still write something and have as a fairy tale, quote unquote, a story and that was your intent, and that can be all well and accurate, but I think it does take a group of people to uh, agree and accept that it is a fairy tale for them. Yeah, I think at some point, like, recognize, like, it has to be, people have to be familiar with it. So, you know, if you say Star Wars, almost everyone knows what that means. Exactly. Um, but, you know, if, you know, I wrote a little indie book and no one actually really read it, and I name-dropped it, I don't think that would be categorized as really anything besides, a, like, a fiction book. Yeah, short story fiction. Yeah, so I think the biggest part is people have to be familiar with it. I think it has to last a couple generations. It can't be something that's like a trend in one generation and then the next one is no longer interested in it, Um, which is sadly what I think is um, happening with a lot of stories that we, you know, 90s kids grow up with certain stories and then those stories are no longer relevant and then the same thing happens to the next generation, same thing happens to the next generation. Certain stories just don't, aren't recognizable anymore. Yeah, the ones that can survive a generation mm-hmm. or two, I think, is when it become it transcends to be something more, and that's why we can only now start really saying, "Well, is Star Wars a fairy tale?" It's been enough time; like we're definitely past the point where it's been passed from one generation to the next, mm-hmm. um, and it's still around. Yeah, I think it's that it's that transmission that's important. It has to go from one generation to the other one. I do want to acknowledge that Star Wars is still a bit different and a little icky, and by the fact that it's um. <laughs> It's a story owned by a corporation. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that plays a part in it. But the very fact that everyone accepted it in the first place and then like it's the fact that we've gotten to the point where it's owned by a major corporation and it it is where it is now kind of speaks mm-hmm. to the power that people initially gave it. But that's something to keep in mind. Okay. Number two, there's ongoing controversy about Star Wars being previously classified as a kid-friendly movie given some of the scenes and adult themes, like the concept of Jabba the Hutt having slave Leia. Can these movies still be considered family-friendly? I would like to jump in first because I have seen a lot of memes on Twitter saying, you know, how can this be a family-friendly movie or a kid-friendly movie when you have a scene like this or you have this concept or, you know, Anakin just straight up kills a whole bunch of kids um (laughs) but i think that our definition of kid friendly 
is a little bit different. Like, I feel like we grew up watching a lot of really questionable movies, but as a kid, a lot of it went over our head. Like, Shrek. Yep. As an adult, Shrek is a wild ride. But as a kid, I don't remember any of that. So I think it's the element of not thinking too seriously about what a kid is going to take in and what an adult's going to take in because obviously there is an appropriate and inappropriate scale but what a kid is seeing is not going to be you know something that's sexualized something that's focused on that they're seeing a really cool adventure movie and an adult is seeing something maybe slightly different something more dark something deeper but I don't think that you can disclassify it one way or the other. I feel like it can be both. It can exist as a fairy tale that belongs to, you know, that you tell kids, but it's still entertaining to adults. And that's what most fairy tales are, actually. It was stories for adults. And then over time, they became a bit more sanitized for kids, but they were still told to adults predominantly. So you're always going to have that kind of balance you have to reach between what is kid-friendly and what can adults still enjoy and making sure that you're kind of walking the line, I guess. Ditto. Yeah, I watched as a kid, so do you didn't notice any of like the weird, questionable parts, I guess? All I could think about was, ew, she has to be next to the giant slug. Gross. Yeah. Like, that was, I was not thinking about what she was necessarily wearing. Maybe mm-hmm. the fact that she had more skin touching the gross slug maybe icked me out, but I was not thinking anything more than that. And um, I can speak to a lot of things as a kid that I saw that I saw adults reacting to, and I was like, "What? It's fine. Like it just this just happened. Like <laughs> maybe I'm just a dumb kid, but I really didn't notice a lot. And then as an adult coming back, going, "Whoa, wow!" And now that I'm watching stuff with my niece, I'm getting some of that vibes of like. this is in this movie you're like oh i hope she didn't notice that (laughs) the fact that that one thing is in there is fine if it was like all of that throughout the movie that would be different but um yeah i think it's not my favorite part of the movie but it's fine it's there it's whatever Mm -hmm. i think it's still family friendly yeah and i think you know like even the violence to an extent it's kind of like the fantastical violence like the knight fights the dragon like, the, they're fighting kind of these, like, horrific-looking creatures. And so I feel like there's an element of imagination. Like, it's a monster. You're fighting a monster. Yeah. And, you know, some kids' movies these days are wild. So the classification of family-friendly is how they deal with it. And most of the time, honestly, it just goes right over the kid's head. Mm-hmm. Right. Number three, which I cannot really answer. Are there too many Star Wars movies? Oh, boy. Man. Okay. So this is putting aside the fairy tale and modern myth definition and like that conversation really yeah, this, this is, is completely more different. just my as opinion as a fan are there okay. just too many star wars movies uh i would say no personally i would have loved for them to stop using the episode numbers after the first 6 and then just admit that they're doing their own thing like this is not george lucas's thing now they're doing their own thing i mean as much as i've not been happy with the ninth one like i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong to keep telling stories in the world what they're doing right now in the tv shows is really smart and i think that's where they should keep most of their focus to but they have to understand that any movie they make with star wars in it is going to be held to a higher standard than even the shows because star wars movies were meant to be this big event thing all to say is like i think i'm fine if they come out with more star wars films but they need to get their act together. They need to have a more cohesive idea of where the story is going because they clearly did not know the sequels. <laughs> the main focus of the original Star Wars movies was Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, and that was fine. And that was great. And I think we have really milked a lot of that for its worth, and the shows are going to continue to do that. I think they need to step away from that story and just... They have a whole universe to play with and all these really cool elements of it we don't need to keep coming back to that same family with their next story so i don't think we need more movies but i don't think there's too many either i think having more is fine we're not at the uh, exploding point quite yet (laughs) i'm sure many people would say we are at the exploding point but honestly i think we're fine i want them just to take a really 
good break and think about what they've done with episode nine. Take a break and just think about where they're going from here. Think about what they have done. I liked Ray as a character, okay? And they just, they had a good idea and they just wasted it. And I'm just still upset. <laughs> I'm not ready for the next Star What Wars is, movie. well, who is, what's the story they haven't explored that you would like to see then? Well, that's a good question. Um, how about they focus on a Force user who is not related at all to the Skywalker bloodline by not related, I mean, not, like, biologically related and actually never meets any of them and doesn't even care who they are. They're just going to go on their own stories and adventures and go, like, swashbuckling and just high fantasy reskinned as a sci-fi storyline. That's all I want. <laughs> Space pirates. Not... I want space pirates, okay? Jedi space pirates. I just don't want them hung up on the same angsty story anymore. I've seen it. It was great. I love Darth Vader. Let's move on. We don't need to keep going back to him. Oh. I have a lot of feels. and But I am really looking forward to this new Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Because Obi-Wan Kenobi is amazing and I love him. Ian McGregor. Come back! Ah, I'm so excited. You know what? Honestly, I'm into it. I think I also think that that's going to be a good series. Yeah, right? Uh, also, I'm just really because excited. I like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I liked him in the originals. I really liked Obi-Wan Kenobi. I really liked Ian McGuire. Like, that was the one thing that consistently holds up when I rewatch those original prequels. It's like everything else is slightly like, oh, this was not like what I remember my childhood. But I see him come on. I'm like, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi still awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really excited. Well, thank you, dear travelers, for sticking around with us for a bit of a different discussion today. Uh, thanks for letting me nerd out about Star Wars. Glad you guys stuck around to hear that. We'll be coming back in a fortnight with our next episode with a very special one year anniversary. Woo woo! We got a special story picked out. So come back to hear us talk about that and look forward to seeing you soon. As always, if you want to see the show summary, notes, and the five fantastic finds, please check them out on our website, talesfromtheenchantedforest.com. If you want to hear more from us, join us on Twitter at FromEnchanted or Instagram at talesfromtheenchantedforest. Or if you're old school like Sparrow, you can email us at talesfromtheenchantedforest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions. So if, if you have anything to share, please don't hesitate. And remember, travelers, if you enjoyed what you heard here today and what we do here, please give us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It helps the podcast grow and reach new travelers to join us on these adventures. We'll give you a big shout out and our eternal gratitude. And remember, there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest. Mm -hmm.